Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live on this edition of The Great Game, the multipolar reality with Matthew Arrett. I think I'm going to rename the show again. This is going to call it The Multipolar Reality with Matthew Arrett. We have to adapt to the times. You have to. Uh, yeah, the, the, the great game is broken. So, it's, yeah, might we might have to rebrand it. I, I, I think so. I think the great game is over. It's Czech and it's mate, and, the, and uh, China and Russia has broken that chessboard, man. <laughs> well, it's certainly looking like a very pathetic game. That that's just it really is. <laughs> it really is, man. Well, folks, yeah. Matthew Arrett is here. You can find him over at the CanadianPatriot.org, the CanadianPatriot.org, as well as the Rising Tide Foundation.net. Get his books, join his Substack, and get Cynthia's books as well. Life-changing, powerful, insightful, informative works of literature that is a must have for your library for a gift or even for your coffee table after you've written it and then take a pencil and write all sorts of notes and annotate it and make it personal for yourself very important to understand the multiportal reality matthew lays the groundwork the absolute groundwork and then you will have the filters to see what's coming next with that being said matthew let's rock and roll bro yeah man absolutely yeah, no, there's a lot going on. Thank you again, Oz, for that very generous introduction. And, and I, I love the fact that you're you put the books on a pedestal like that. And I really I appreciate that so much because I, I have I, I, I mean, dude, those books are, those books are awesome. Even I love your book. The the the, the China Psyop book is amazing. I, I bought it from Amazon. It's phenomenal. We're gonna get that published uh, in June in in Japan. Actually, it's it's Ooh. been translated. It's uh, I, I yeah. So in June th first week or so, it'll be in uh, Japanese bookstores as well. And volume two of that's coming out very very soon. Oh, very so nice. Uh, there there are sane Japanese patriots who don't want to be caught in the crossfire of a nuclear war as proxy throwaways. So they're uh, they're out and about, and they weren't completely eliminated with uh, Shinzo Abe's murder. Mm. And, it, you know, it was interesting because I just wrote an article for uh, for The Last American Vagabond um, just going through the incompetence of uh, of German technocrats who are just doubling down on their the demands that they commit seppuku on some weird altar of Gaia that demands, you know, human sacrifice and blood with their uh, current uh, championing of the full nuclear exit, the the the, <laughs> the shutdown of the, the three last remaining nuclear power plants of Germany that happened this week. And uh, I mean, it's 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 wild because the, the reason why that's happening, Germany used to have 30 percent of their of their energy basket coming from nuclear back, uh, which was built up in the in the 60s, 70s when they, you know, they hadn't gone completely insane yet. And there's been a systematic destruction. But a big chunk of this was made possible by the Japanese, the, the tsunami that, that hit um, Fukushima, right on the, on the western side of of Japan back in 2011. So obviously people in Europe half, half a world away should freak out that a similar Pacific tsunami is going to hit them. And so that's what they did. And you immediately had this race for shutting down all nuclear power, even though to this very day of the 20,000 civilians who were killed by that tsunami, not a single one 12 years later was ever proven to have been uh, killed based on anything associated with radiation at all. 
Correct. So it was all a, an earthquake underground that was about 9.1 in magnitude that in, unleashed a tsunami that we know what happened. And of the six uh, reactors, the two that were, or actually the one that was obsolete, made them with 19 early, early 60s obsolete tech, was not upgraded, was not maintained to proper safety standards. That one did have a reactor meltdown. Did it go all, did it blow up? Anything like that? No, like I said, not a single death. It was contained. And despite that, Germany, everybody, Belgium, you had a whole like race for shutting down nuclear. The France, France, which relies on 70% of their of their energy basket in nuclear, had a big movement that demanded all of a sudden that that be shut down. Germany went full hard, though. And, and so this is what Merkel put into motion. That's also why Germany desperately needed Russian natural gas, which was supplying 60%. Of, of Euro the European Union's energy needs was from Russia and, and the Nord Stream 2 was vital to keep them afloat. That None of that's happening. So the Europeans are being told to die. And uh, in opposition to this insane policy, which in the case of Germany is actually increasing carbon dioxide output because now to compensate for the lost nuclear power, um, they have to now import uh, either reactivate coal-fired power plants, which are now obviously super dirty, or import... Um, ironically, nuclear from France or coal-fired coal power from Czech Republic or Poland uh, externally, which is increasing, again, carbon dioxide. If that really was an, an enemy, then you're doing the very opposite of what you should be doing. Whereas Japan has seen um, a bit of a, a waking up. So ever since Kishida, and, and this is interesting that Kishida had his, you know, there was an assassination attempt on the new the new prime minister of Japan, right? Um, Jeez, man. Last week, somebody threw an IED at him. And one of his are you kidding guards, me? Yeah, so one of his security guards was like earning his paycheck, noticed this thing thrown at his foot, kicked it away really fast, and jumped on Kashida's body to keep him alive. So that's good. But the fact that Kashida has recently found himself who's he's a weaker guy than Abe, right? Like we know Abe was a bit of a, a Trump like figure of the Pacific who would often like speak stupid and then go and do something eminently sane. Um, like you know, do business deals with Chinese firms, Russian firms. Like he was doing all sorts of things as a bridge politically between the, the business community and um, definitely stepping out of line of certain things that were expected of him by the, the wannabe masters of the Pacific who want Japan to be part of a Pacific NATO, right? The quad with, with uh, Australia and, you know, I think they want India and South Korea in there. So anyway, he would still like be disruptive, but he had to be eliminated, which they did. Now, Kashida's weaker, but despite that, he still went and, first of all, uh, agreed to pay whatever Russia wanted for their natural gas. So he paid above the $60 cap. And then he went and gave an announcement saying, we're going to renew our nuclear energy, revive. So you've got 30 functional, where Japan in 2011, before the, the, the tsunami, had 54 nuclear reactors in Japan. It was, it, yeah. was a, it was thriving. Super abundant, efficient, consistent, cheap high quality energy all the time, right? Never is fluctuating according to cloud coverage or does the wind not blow? Nuclear is reliable. And again, um, that, that 54 reactors, it was pretty big for Asia. That went down to nothing af weeks after the, uh, the tsunami. Everything went into fear mode. Everything was shut down. And then all of a sudden people began to realize, oh shit, now we're paying 18 times more for our energy needs. Businesses are, are all shutting down and we're not feeding our family because we're like, you know, not... It's like a question of stay warm in winter or buy food. So finally, that that started creating a a, a, a resistance of reason amongst the people and the the political class. And so uh, Kashida basically said, we need to not only use the thirty functional because they they deactivated a bunch, but they still have about thirty three functional reactors, only ten of which are operational, and only five of those ten <laughs> are actually sending energy to to the grid. But he basically said, we have to refurbish, build back all of them um, over the course of the coming months and years. So that's good. But again, the fact that this is, again, disruptive to those who want to rather sacrifice and flush Japan um, in the midst of a nuclear confrontation with China is it shows anyway that there is there is reason that doesn't that is pushing back. And that's good to look for signs of reason um, amongst the colonies of the U.S. military industrial complex. I, I appreciate that sort of thing. So all that to say, yeah, breaking free of anti-China psyops is going to be in, in Japan. That's perfect uh, timing, man. Who want to like hone their skills a little bit uh, in this battle. Yeah, that's perfect timing because it's like it's so vital to have this now. 
in order to get into the, into the psyche, I think a lot of Westerners are starting to wake up and are starting to realize that they've been lied to about everything, about everything. And it's, it's, it's incredible, man. Like, Matt, I'm like, you know, I did a show this morning with Gus, and Gus is currently in, in El Salvador. You know, he's setting up uh, accounts and operations and everything else over there. And, and uh, next month, uh, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in, uh, in Dubai next month uh, long, and Gus is going to probably join us as well. Okay. Um, but it, it, we were just talking about how quickly the West is deteriorating. It's shocking, man. It's shocking. And then, the, uh, you know, and I, I know you're going to bring this up on the website you just talked about, but this completely, I just forgot about this. I think two days ago, we just had a dairy, uh, a dairy farm or some sort of operation, dairy operation here in the United States explode and go on fire. I think there was a, a thousand dead cows or 1300 cows that were killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it, it, it's insane. Like it's it's all it's that the attack on the supply chains, the attack on the food processing plants, the train derailments, uh, then the uh, social unrest in the city, the anarcho tyranny that is happening here in the United States and in much of the West in, in, in general. It's not just relegated to uh, the United States. Oh yes, there it is. Eighteen thousand cows killed, died in that fire. Yeah, eighteen thousand. Yeah, incredible, man. Yeah, no, and I mean, the, the rate at which we're seeing these things, and it's been now two years of clear, consistent sabotage. I don't think that this sort of uh, pattern has ever presented itself. With, there's always things that go wrong. And it, obviously, when you have um, infrastructure grids that are that are allowed to atrophy and decay the way the U.S. has permitted its rail systems and, and electricity grids to atrophy, yeah, sure, you're going to increase the risk of things going awry. Yeah. As far as food processing facilities, yeah, sometimes people will, um, you know, you'll, 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 the, the light a fire by accident and, and things will, will go bad. That happens. But the density at which this is happening and the level of destruction on farms, uh, food processing facilities, is, is outstandingly wild. It smells of something nasty. You and I have spoken about this while I was in Switzerland. We had a little show on eco-terrorism and all of the evidence towards how this is an inside job in, in a big way, but also uh, toxic waste derailments, right? Trains carrying highly toxic materials, precursors for mustard gas even, which is like, why are trains even carrying this? And then derailing in zones that are high density farm regions, mostly family farms. What the hell is going on? Yeah. So... On to you know part of this this thing and, and we talked about this. There's um there are books that you can get even in uh, the mainstream bookstores here in, in Montreal near where I live uh, called like How to Blow Up a Pipeline by um, Andreas Malm. Uh, a <laughs> Must Swedish be his uh, PhD uh, dissertation. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That you can actually we we've come to such a, a stage of decay that you can get a PhD dissertation in How to Blow Up Pipelines. Um, that's, and that's what he made, um, a fortune on. He made a, a real, real a bit of fame for himself on this book published in 2021. You can get it again in every mainstream publishing house. Um, now one thing that was made into a movie, I just, uh, Cynthia just sent me a link to this trailer. I sent, I sent you in the private chat, uh, a link to the YouTube video. The last time I tried to share a YouTube video, there was okay. no sound. Okay. Could you, uh, maybe do sure. it on your end? Um, because this movie was a Hollywood movie just released based on the book by Andres Malm. The book itself was nonfiction. This is obviously taking a bit of a, a fictional scenario of, of eight or nine young people, romantic That's young insane. people who just love the environment, who come, come to a certain place in Texas to do a certain job. Now, oh, God. This is like that Netflix movie where they had an Ohio uh, train derailment uh, like a month before the actual train derailment. And you, it was carrying chemicals, and it was in the same East Palestine town. Even the the people that, that were the townsfolk were extras in the movie. Well, that was, that's weird on another level. This, yeah. yeah, that was that's weird. Yeah, I don't know how to think about that really. But I, but this one is more of like a recruitment tool. Like oh, this, this you yeah. can see what it's going to do. Don't play it and just just imagine I was talking to young idiot. I'm bracing uh, myself. Here we go. Yeah, man. go for it. Here we go. Hey everyone. Welcome back to Boom Talk. Today, teaching myself to make a homemade blasting cap. And if this works, it'll be step one, making our own improvised explosive. You gotta be kidding me. Might be headed to Texas for the winter. What's in Texas? This project. What kind of project? Trying to stop the pipeline from being built on my property. Poisons the air. 
Water. Damn, this place is sick. You guys cooking meth in here? You ready to start working? We have to show how vulnerable the oil industry is by hitting something big. Michael, what do you think the odds are we blow ourselves up? I don't really care. We could blow the pipe at the hilltop, keep the oil from leaking. You're not actually thinking. I'm not thinking about it. I'm doing it. Oh, God. What if y'all do structural damage? Structural damage is kind of the point. This is destruction of federal property. Terrorism. American Empire calls us terrorists, and we're doing something right. If you're seeing this, let those who profit from mass death know their properties will be trashed. Three, two, one. One of the best movies I've seen. This was violence. <laughs> it's exhilarating. But this was justified. I have a thrill going up my leg. This was an act of self-defense. That is the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. Definitely one of them. Sex, drugs, and terrorism. Yeah, making terrorism cool. And that's what it is. It's like you're having these deranged uh, involuntary incels or gender confused on top of it wanting to do this. It's uh, it, Dude, it's, this is crazy. Like, yeah. what is going on? Like, somebody should be putting a cap in these these idiots. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say about that. I mean, I, I would, I would, they definitely need some psychiatric help. They do. Um, and it's crazy. Some, some authentic human love and affection. But I mean, the, the, the problem is, this is something which is now um, normalizing, right? And, you know, last time I was, we were talking about this topic um, last month, um, I brought up the thing called Deep Green Resistance. We, I, you know, I think we even looked at a little bit of one of their recruitment videos from 2011. Its, its founder is Derek Jensen, and Derek Jensen is a character who is a known um, eco, basically promoter of eco-terrorism uh, with the logic that the greatest evil is technological civilization, industrial civilization, which has caused the destruction of our freedoms, the destruction of the environment, because technology in his mind grows as almost like a spirit um, a demonic force without human free will, decisions, ideas, discoveries, political agendas, conspiracies, all of those things are he relegates to the uh, box of, of irrelevance because technology is kind of like an evolutionary force that will, if we don't stop it, become like the Terminator or, um, you know, the, the, the machines in the Matrix that will just start eating our vital force and brain fluid to keep themselves sort of powered up in the future. That's the that's the formula that that he operates on. And one of the things about him is he's also a disciple of Ted Kaczynski. I was just right? about to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what got gave him his his intellectual inspiration is Ted Kaczynski, the, the Unabomber, who's been in Supermax prison maintaining correspondences with devotees and acolytes around the world mm -hmm. um, who see him as a bit of like a, 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 a guru an anti-civilization guru and they teach Ted Kaczynski's theories of technology in many universities, organizing and radicalizing young woke fools who just have never been given a proper human education. So they're easily uh, malleable according to the, you know, um, neo Marxist socialist Bolshevik theorizing of, you know, systemic racism uh, which has induced them all by design to hate their own civilization and can't and they can't see anything good in anything that was created by by white people at any point in human history. It's all colonial suppression of minorities and uh, bigotry. That's all it is. So they, they, why not destroy it, right? Why not? So anyway, I went to their Deep Green Resistance news service that I didn't know existed until recently. And I was just playing around. You know, this is where they they show you, you know, Eden's last chance. You got you could see this this screen, right? Yeah. Okay, you know, different events, uh, rights, U.S., uh, uh, you know, uh, free a whistle. How, why don't we stop the destruction of nature? Not, you know, little little news blips. Now, one of the, the features that they have is the underground action calendar. And let's go look at the underground action oh, calendar God. just for a second, okay? Now, the underground action calendar uh, totes itself in its little manifesto saying the 
This calendar exists to publicize and normalize the use of militant and underground tactics in the fight for justice and sustainability. We include below a wide variety of actions from struggles around the world, especially those in which militants target infrastructure, because what? we believe this sort of action is necessary to, to do what? To dismantle civilization. Um, now, they do a little disclaimer saying, listing an action does not necessarily mean we support or stand behind the goals and strategies or tactics of those arson actionists, not terrorists, not arsonists, actionists. But, you know, we need to normalize it anyway, because it's ultimately they still do approve. You know, it's, it's semantics here. And so let's look at some of what's on this damn list. There's well over 100 case studies in chronological order, the latest being on their list, January 17, 2023. Location in this column, uh, in this case, it's Thomasville, North Carolina. What was it? A transformer in a small substation, which was shot. me? And then attacks. How did it happen? Shooting. And they just go through this. In Brazil, uh, transmission towers sabotaged or toppled, monkey wrenching. And they just go through it. Um, you know, you've got here um, Oregon, electrical transformers, substations, rail infrastructure, Ontario, Canada, 2022, July 31st, rail infrastructure sabotaged with copper wire hammers and rocks, monkey wrenching. I don't know what, why they call it that. And they just go through it all the way down. Look how big. But this of course, is. the FBI is not looking into this because you know they're too busy trying to find KKK hiding yeah. under your bed. The only thing the FBI Columbia. shows up is when they're wearing like khakis and 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 pretending to be white supremacists. Well, and that's the interesting thing. Oh yeah, here, yeah, they've lot of lot of gas pipelines in Bogota bombing, and that's one one interesting thing, right? Is that the uh, the deep green resistance, which professes in its manifesto, its book, and um. It's a movement which has branches in Europe, in North America, in, in Vancouver, in California. They What they profess is, uh, number one, to organize above-grounders and below-grounders. The above-grounders are people who work in Davos, bureaucrats who want to break the system from within. Um, you know, intelligence agencies just infiltrate and and um, normalize the, above, the public faces of the anti-civilization movement. I, I would say... Mark Carney or Gavin Newsom probably qualifies that based upon the, look at the look at the top down policies that they have done to just destroy like in California 52 hydroelectric dams in 2021 were demolished four of the biggest were demolished this year costing 500 million dollars of taxpayer money to destroy their own hydroelectric dams officially in a legal form resulting in a vast amount of scarcity food production destruction uh, a Available energy for industrial and, and residential use has been destroyed now, all to do what? To free the the, the little rivers and to uh, re restore the deserts to their natural lifeless ecosystem, thus increasing desertification, destroying um, the actual ecology. Ironically, and they call themselves the, 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 now, again. These are not these are not educated people. These are not people who are who understand the fields of of, of science that they're complaining and bitching about. Desertification yeah. is pretty much death of an ecosystem. There's very yeah. little ecosystem in a desert. Yeah. I'm just oh. scroll I'm scrolling just to show you guys, just to show the audience just how long this bloody list is. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And one of the things that that the uh, the young idiots who are speaking in one of the recruitment videos are uh, saying is that you know, we're doing this so effectively oh, because we have the advisors of people who are former military um, who've, who've told us and taught us asymmetric warfare, which has been able to uh, involve a younger, a smaller grouping taking down um, a much larger force throughout history. And that's the technique we're using. And these are just young, you know, preppy idiots um, who are talking about asymmetric warfare and how, how former military black, black ops who share, who share their, their love of oh, nature. Yeah. Are helping them out. Mm, yeah. um, now, now we see the federal fingerprints. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, so it's a it's a rather disgusting um, movement, but one of many. You have Extinction Rebellion. You got Fridays yeah. for the Future. You got yeah. all of these. The Sunrise Movement. You got so many of these things. And whenever just you just stop who, oil, yeah, just stop oil. Whenever you look at who's funding these things, you'll usually find the hands of George Soros' front mm. groups. You'll find Lord uh, Teddy Goldsmith, the Goldsk Goldsmith Smith fortunes that used to fund Black Block, the other like um, anti, you know, 
anti-capitalist, take-down civilization, anarchist mm -hmm. uh, movements, which ironically, why do you have all of these capitalist uh, billionaires pouring their, their fortunes into dismantling the very thing that caused their billions to come into being? Well, maybe this doesn't really have anything to do with money at the end of the day, but rather something ideological that has much more to do with a death cult that wants to use money or use the veneer of capitalism to justify the takedown of anything which would cause human beings to defend themselves from those sociopaths themselves, like the nation state, like the means of utilizing the technology of government. And government is a technology. It's just not the, the, the material type of technology that we're used to thinking about. But government is a form of technology. It's, you know, you, you create, there's a design, there's different designs of different types of government, democracies, democracies, republics, tyrannies, fascist states, you know, there's so many different types of designs that are, that have certain objectives and goals with moving parts. Each law is supposed to work together as a moving part to make a process happen. And if you think about it, what's the process being in the real world that the laws are supposed to be um, helping? Because that's why we create laws is to help a process out, which involves human beings, ideally. Well, it's, it's look at the, the, the need for human, the, there's 8 billion of us. Well, that 8 billion has certain constraints, right? Like yeah. there's only so much food that we can produce at one given time based on certain technologies that we have available, that we have discovered and certain ignorance that we have, that we have of discoveries we have not yet made that result in boundary conditions of limits of what we can do or cannot do. And so, you know, ideally, um, if government is for, by, and of the people, as Lincoln said, and as the founding fathers said, then that government's laws should all enhance, maintain, protect, and improve those things that humans need to live, to thrive, to have more abundance, to leap beyond the limits to growth. And, um, and all of those laws should work together politically, economically, and, and security-wise, domestic and foreign. That should always be a sense in, you know, kids. If we were taught properly, kids, you know, before they leave elementary school, could get a well, good, solid, grounded idea of how this, this concept works before they even go into high school, which would then um, be really wonderful, right? Yeah, but then you're causing them to think. We don't want them to think. Uh, no, of course not. That mm. might make them less inclined to want to, you know, eat cud like like sheep on a, on a plantation, which is what they're supposed to do, not, not think about ideas that pertain to liberty. Um, but so, you know, the, the whole fight has always been, can technology be a servant? Can government, the technology of government be a servant? Uh, or will it be a tool by a masterclass to enslave, right? And that's always been the fight. So today, you know, you got what? Let's go into some geopolitics. You, get, you got Lula da Silva, who just met with Xi Jinping. Yep. Um, very important meeting that just happened that, that, I mean, obviously, they discussed things that involved the BRICS Development Bank, the new development bank that was brought online back in 2014, um, and taking this to the next level. Because up until now, the BRICS Development Bank, which was unveiled at the Fortaleza Summit in Brazil, with a really good constitution and a good mandate to uh, basically replace the, uh, the rapacious you know, work of the IMF and World Bank, well, it was never permitted to do what it was designed to do. And Lula da Silva did play a role in uh, its crafting. Um, Dilma Rousseff, who today is going to be the president of the, the new development bank, um, she oversaw its unveiling it, at that summit. Mm -hmm. And uh, up until now, it has been used according to the standards set by the IMF and World Trade Organization, which means it hasn't been providing the sort of long-term lending for big projects that would increase abundance and, and productivity that would challenge or even derail the, uh, the hegemony of the IMF and World Bank. But it became very clear in the debates and de deliberations between Brazil and China, which are now settling trade agreements according to using uh, Chinese yuan, that this is going to be going forward and it's going to be taking a new character, the likes of which it should have had for the past eight years, but it's finally going to do that. And I, I hope that also involves purging from the, the New Development Bank's administration, some eco-ideologues um, eco who were trained in London who have been managing, mismanaging it so that it, it's primarily been funding green infrastructure grids that are absurdly stupid. Um, we see it in Europe. We see it in Germany. Everywhere you put a green energy grid, a windmill or a solar panel farm online, food, um, I mean, energy prices skyrocket, quality of energy, reliability of energy plummets, um, businesses go bankrupt. 
by design um, mining, disruptive, disruptive mining practices, um, skyrocket massively because the rare earths and all of the other, you know, cobalt and lithium and other things that involve supplying these, these alternative green energies are, are much worse than even what you get with hydrocarbons or nuclear power by far. They can't, you can't do anything with the waste. They're 300 times like photovoltaic cells are 300 times more toxic than even radioactive waste from nuclear power plants. And when we do uh, garbage them, because it costs like double to reprocess them than it does to even make them. So they don't reprocess them. Instead, what we've been doing is we've been putting them in garbage, toxic garbage dumps in Africa and South America, um, which don't decay ever. So you've got this, um, this insanity. Now, this has been, this ideology has been admittedly infesting the BRICS development bank, holding it back for the past eight years. So I do think that the, based on the discussions that happened, there is going to be a purging or a letting go of that um, type of investment and look towards the real needs, which involve, you know, Brazil embracing and enhancing its nuclear power base, because Brazil was an early Ibero-American country that embraced nuclear power many, many years ago. And unfortunately, due to certain foreign manipulations that overthrew the governments of like uh, Goulart back in 64, that that you know, it was overseen by Bechtel, George Soros, yeah, Canadian brass can, Brazilian light and tractions, you know, based in Toronto. Um, these these imperialists overthrew a nationalist government who is who had done a lot to to bring Brazil into the nuclear age, and instead installed um, a puppet who would liberalize the economy, privatize, and hold it back, just the way they did later on for Chile and Pinochet. Um, who did the same thing that they did with the Brazilian model in, in Chile in 71, same, same template. So, but Brazil does have still a quite good um, scientific and energy culture and engineering skill set that um, has been signing deals and working with China, which has become a world world leading force over 50% of the nuclear reactors that are being built as we, as it stands today are being built because of China and number two, uh, Russia and India, number three. Um, that's increasingly creating an environment as well where we've seen now um, Bangladesh, which is also a new member of the BRICS Development Bank. Yeah. Um, Bangladesh has just announced their first two nuclear reactors, um, $12 billion uh, through a loan, a 28-year loan supplied by Russia that are being built as we speak and which will be paid to Russia back after a nine-year grace period, because it takes about seven or eight years to build a plant yeah. and for it to start producing actual energy to increase the, the economic output will take time. So Russia used the Chinese model of saying, okay, we'll give you a nine-year grace period, very low interest, long-term repayment plan of 28 years, and you can pay in Chinese yuan. Don't have to pay in U.S. dollars, obviously. So that's what, what Bangladesh is doing. Uh, I already brought up Japan uh, embracing nuclear power and hopefully pushing back at some point because Japan is still at, at war with Russia. I don't know if people know this, but they never signed a peace deal. Yeah. Two, right. Correct. So that's a problem. And they have some disputed islands that arsonists have been trying to, um, caught or, or, or amplify to create a conflict between Japan and Russia on the Pacific. And obviously Japan and, and China as well with 50,000 us troops stationed in Japan. So Japan's got a huge fight right now over its survival that that's on it. But the, the nuclear power energy sovereignty thing is very, very important. The, um, the, the Brazil is the biggest potential uh, powerhouse that has suffered so much imperialist manipulation. And I wasn't sure where, what, where Lula da Silva stood coming out of prison, becoming president. I wasn't sure if you know he was making some weird decisions at one point, criticizing Russia over its actions in Ukraine. But it, it's become allowing in, uh, for example, some transgender eco freaks in, into his administration his administration is a mixed bag man very mixed seriously bag. he's got some he's got some dangerous individuals in there he really and he's does. got some people with some common sense it's unbelievable yeah and that's the thing like anytime you have a very very controlled environment very hostile environment to any type of nationalist impulse you got to kind of work with the flow, kind of like a surfer, you know, is, is you can't force yourself against the wave. You kind of have to go with the wave, even if elements of the wave are crazy. You kind of have to, to go with that flow and move it in your desired orientation, ideally. So 
now it became more clear in my mind what Lula was doing. And I was given a lot of uh, a breath of sort of um, uh, relief in seeing the type of uh, actions that Lula has taken at the time when it was ripe to be taken, um, yeah. doing what he did and also supporting and standing up alongside China for Russia in opposition to recognizing the or in while recognizing the U.S. led an role catalyzing the entire crisis in Ukraine, which is something he's now finally done. And also talking about the, um, you know, bringing online a South American bloc, which under the Mercosur, which was originally attempted as a South American bloc, a, a power bloc with its own currency back in 2007 with Nestor Kirchner still still alive. Uh, Lula was playing a role with that. And um, that didn't end up going anywhere. Obviously, there are certain things that geopolitically happened to disrupt it. Now, a lot of people I'm noticing are saying, well, this is all just a trick. It's a trap. Don't you see that that the 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 SOAR, the, the South American currency, the BRICS Development Bank, these are all just um, European Union style stepping stones towards world government, which is what the European Union and NAFTA and the North American Union were all about anyway. Or the, the African uh, Union, which today exists in Addis Ababa, uh, Ethiopia, as a headquarters. But, you know, they've got like a, a new African free trade zone, which was set up in 2021. Um, increasingly, you have a, a South, uh, Southwest Asian um, economic uh, regional zone of cooperation coming online with the peace agreements being made between Saudi Arabia and Yemen, who are announcing finally an end to the Yemeni war, Saudi Arabia and, and Iran brokered via Beijing, mm -hmm. which are finally building uh, bridges. Same thing for Turkey um, and, uh, and Syria and Iran, which are finally building diplomatic bridges. All the Gulf states, except for Qatar are acting pretty sane right now on this front. Um, so you, you've got like what is emerging as these obvious regional blocks. So people will say, oh, you're a fool because it's all just a controlled opposition towards world government. Mm -hmm. My response is, yes, regionalization is not an intrinsic good and could and has been used to favor uh, the growth of a world government globalist death cult class of masters over the, the former nation states of the world. That's true. Look, at, and that's what the European Union always was. That's what NAFTA was. Even Henry Kissinger himself said NAFTA is the greatest stepping stone towards the New World Order right in 1992. Okay, so we acknowledge that. Yes. And if you have, let's say, a Boris Yeltsin, who's a, a CIA George Soros stooge running Russia, any type of you know Soviet regional bloc under that type of policy, which is run by a death cult of depopulation Malthusian ide ideologues working at the IMF in, in Brussels, Sure, that would be a bad thing, as would, you know, a China. Were China still run by George Soros's uh, stooge Zhao Ziyang like, like it was in the 1980s, if China were to be a part of a regional bloc um, of a Soros-Zhao Ziyang nature, sure, that would also be bad, where they would be the, the slave colony, cheap labor exporter, uh, you know, with maybe Vietnam and South Korea and, and Indonesia and Burma in their sphere of influence. Yeah, that would also be bad. But do we see that? Do we see any evidence of that? And this is where I got to say, people who are conspiracy theory minded analysts of the alt, you know, media, I don't want to call it alt media, just more reasonable um, truth community. They tend to look at everything from a black pilled perspective, and they don't see that the current policies of those who kicked out George Soros from Russia in 2015, and who kicked out, you know, uh, Yeltsin, and started purging the, the oligarch class that were built up by Jeffrey Sachs and the, the, the Western oligarchs in the 90s, they don't see that there is now a rejection of depopulation and cutting off of ancient traditions. It's not there. Same thing for China. When they kicked out George Soros in 1989, they, there was a new policy which is built around the concept that human beings are not machines to be controlled or reduced in numbers um, by a, a banking death cult. They're increasing their population potential by creating abundance, encouraging new discoveries, applying those new discoveries in the form of new technologies that are cutting edge and unlike anything we've been doing in the West over the past 30 or 40 years. So they're doing the sorts of things we did under John F. Kennedy, Lincoln, 
Franklin Roosevelt when we were still in a growth-oriented, anti-Malthusian um, cultural ethos. That's what, what's going on there. Same thing for South America. That's what, what Obrador has been essentially fighting to bring Mexico into alignment with, with the Ibero-American countries. They don't want to kill off their people. They don't want to crush their religious uh, sense of God, soul. They don't want to do that, and they're fighting against it. So if you look at it, you can see it. If you don't look at it, you can't see it. And it might just look like there's similar patterns to the globalist um, designs that have, yes, been using regionalization as a springboard towards world government. That's, but it's it's just the outward surface pattern. It's not it's not what's really going on. There's a deeper fight over ideas and how the science of government, the technology of government is going to be used according to what idea of the nature of a man. Are we a, are we a species made in the image of God? that has powers to discover, to create, or are we just a consumer bestial class of talking cows to be herded and managed and culled when our population numbers grow too large? That's the two clashing ideologies. And unless people keep that quote tightly in their minds, nothing is going to make that much sense about what's going on right now, including energy policy like nuclear. And why is nuclear so important? Why is anything but nuclear and especially fusion power incompetent ultimately for the long-term interests of human survival because you need to have nuclear but the thing about nuclear is it's a lot of power it takes you know 10 20 years of planning to do this right to have a proper nuclear energy policy and that means you need to use government you can't just have local mini um communes set themselves up and have nuclear power the, if you go for the the anarchist you know divide ourselves into local mini survivalist communes you're at best going to be able to maybe use solar panels that will crap out at you on you in 15, 10 to 15 years. And, um, you know, there's not much you can do beyond that, except for maybe like, you know, burn dung, dried, dried. Poop well, that's, that's around. ultimately what they want us to do is, is live in mud huts and burn our own dungs to keep ourselves warm. That's, that's, that, that's the globalist utopia. Then we, you know, we have our, our cricket and, and insect rations that we get every day. Yeah. And um, and then we'll probably jog on a treadmill to generate enough carbon credits. Uh, yeah. It's... Well, they, they probably want some sort of a, a template like what was laid out by Aldous Huxley in the Brave New World, where you have, you know, the people living in the 15 minute cities who are essentially after a few generations, test two babies born and bred by by, let's say, CRISPR technology. I mean, Aldous Huxley didn't know about didn't know about CRISPR. But, you know, that the idea was there, like breed, breed people according to what they should like doing if they're going to be alphas, betas, gammas or mm, deltas yeah. and be happy little plebe uh, workers who don't genetically are programmed not to like thinking and just like repetitive action or be a uh, an alpha or alpha plus that you're bred to become and, you know, and be a maybe a, a bureaucrat, um, a, an auxiliary manager of the of the machine which would create disenfranchised that's you know some some uh individuals who who uh, act or are supposed to serve that role might find themselves like Bernard does in the the Brave New World book and uh and start questioning some of the immorality of the system or absurdity and then you have the Mustafa Moans you know the 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 characters who are the um the upper level managers who approve like basically Aldous Huxley or, or Julian Huxley or their, their grandpa, Thomas Huxley or the, the H.G. Wells or Bertrand Russell, right? They're the upper level managers managing on behalf of their, their masters. Um, the inbred elites that go back to Babylon, they would be managing, you know, the, 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 the rules of the great game that would keep, that would supposed to be stationary, fixed, static, like Mustafa Mohn says, when John Savage, the, the kid who grew up in the, in the dirty lands, the bad lands outside of the 15 minute cities, Right. And had had some grounding in Shakespeare that his mom taught him when he was a kid living in the woods, uh, burning food, using dung. Um, they, they brought this John Savage kid into their world as like sort of a, a piece of entertainment. Yeah. And uh, he confronts at a certain point at the end of the book, Mustafa moaned and he has a back and forth, which is a, an evil, evil dialogue where Mustafa moaned. Well, Aldous Huxley lays out through the voice of Mustafa moaned, this fictional character that. Um, you know, certain creative discoveries might be interesting in science or even in the arts, but they would cause destabilization of the system, which Mustafa Mohn explains is the greatest good is stability. And new ideas 
cause instability, which is the greatest evil, and thus they must be destroyed. And those those who who make that instability, who make those creative discoveries, must be eliminated. And, and this is where Aldous Huxley's next book on the island uh, comes into play. Because how do you deal with those? Un- I think un- they made a Netflix movie about that, The Island. Oh, they did. They certainly yeah. did. Yes, they did. Um, but yeah, you want to give get rid of people, put them in a in an island, then then just you know whatever, eliminate them any way you can. So um, the the thing about the oligarchy, whether it's the above grounders working to destroy industrial and technological civilization from above through Davos or from below through these different networks being that are obviously protected by intelligence agencies, it it they've got this commitment towards um, ultimately a an ivory an abstract idea of good equals stasis equals no change right an an idea of the the equilibrium of nature undisrupted by infrastructure human growth which grows like a cancer because cancer cells grow geometrically in a body as do human population growth patterns which other other animal species balance themselves out according to the limits of what nature's bounty provides to the rabbits or the wolves humans alone can make discoveries of fire and apply it in order to sustain more of our, our our species at a higher standard of living by not getting sick eating bacterial infested you know raw meat or something when you cook the meat it lasts longer less bacteria less chance of of disease and death so we do these things but the 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 chances of it happening are never guaranteed it's it's according to the decisions the free will that we choose to use or not to leap beyond the accepted rules of a game of an elite that want to keep us always in a state of obedience, right? Simple mindedness. And it's our choice to be moral, to, to love truth, to love ideas that are beyond the limits of what we know more than our own safety, even um, because whenever you make a new discovery, you're going to put your yourself, your security at risk for a variety of reasons, because you've got a whole world which has experts always um enmeshed in the old um strictures the old models of explaining a force of nature or something a wrong way that was devoid of the discovery made by an individual and so for the individual to stand up and defend their discovery requires that they accept being attacked slandered sometimes killed um but you have to love truth that much and just to do it from the standpoint of a discovery of a new um technology of government the way benjamin franklin after discovering the nature of electricity which was a form of fire um after discovering that in 1752 his burning insight and desire to apply the the discovery of a form of government that was premised around the rejection of hereditary orders of power and in favor of the idea that every individual is sovereign that idea of a new design for the technology of government was it required a lot of courage because if it didn't work everybody who signed that declaration of independence would have been like hanged drawn and quartered tortured and killed and probably their families too by the british empire so that took a lot of courage and uh, and people have i think forgotten the the depth and quality of sacrifice and courage made by by past generations that gave us the liberties to use technology the way we're doing it today over like light speed over this medium that's signaling like light to to satellites, you know, coding my voice and ideas and image into light that is being received by you and and from you, at least vocally to me, in return into God knows how many people are listening and thinking. I mean, that's a huge amount of freedom that we have that was only got given to us by the sacrifices of a lot of people. And that's, of course, why the oligarchy wants to reset civilization, because they don't want us to have any chances of appreciating not only the lives and the quality of minds of those um, fighters throughout thousands of years of human civilization, going back to Prometheus, who fought, you know, to share, to steal fire from the gods of, the, of Olympus, from Zeus, and share it with men, um, in order to, to give mankind a sense that we're not just animals who have to live under the rain or in caves, but rather could, like, use architecture, geometry, astronomy, arts, uh, cattle for, for farming, that's all of the stuff that Aeschylus writes about in Prometheus Bound, which everybody should read, by the way. It's a really good play. 
Um, which, I mean, Benjamin Franklin was called the Prometheus of America, right? Yeah. The Promethean spirit is what Christ embodied when he gave his life to fight against an evil empire and what inspired Paul um, to carry on that fight and St. Augustine to, do, to, to live in a Promethean Christ-like fashion against the will of Zeus and the hereditary powers. Everything good came from that spirit that we all have access to. And this is the, the nuclear fire today. So when you look at, well, what is the pope, the point of nuclear? It, like the atom, we're all made of atoms. So many of us have been induced to be afraid of atoms and radiation because you can't see it kind of like, you know, certain, certain um, pandemics, you know, are based upon invisible things that kill you. So radiation, you can't see it, it must kill you. And so you can easily be afraid of that, which you can't see so that your behavior could be modified so that we shut down the most high quality form of fire that has ever been produced up until now, including fusion, which we have tolerated the defunding of fusion power, yes. which was supposed to already have been brought online if, if, if discoveries had not been sabotaged back in the 70s and 80s. We should have already been living in a fusion-based economy with, with colonies on Mars, which is what John F. Kennedy was calling for back before he died in 63, was saying that, look, after, after the moon... We have to think of permanent uh, colonies for scientific exploration, mining, other things for, for the moon, but then use that as a platform for a broader um, inter um, interstellar civilization that would have a colony on Mars by 1982 when I was born. We were supposed to, according to that, that, that John F. Kennedy uh, timeline, already have had a human landing on Mars by that moment. So that here, 40 years later, we should have already had a pretty well-developed um, terraforming process already underway with maybe little tree buds um, growing in different parts of Mars by now, having like melted some of the ice that's locked up in the northern poles in the, you know, of Mars. Some of that probably should have been melted so that, that that gas could have been released to enhance the very weak atmosphere and maybe create a situation conducive to life once more, which hasn't been on Mars for a very long time. Um, that could have already, we could see little tree buds already growing, right? Already. Yeah. Um, with maybe the moons of Europa, um, being, you know, explored by robotics or other technology that com is commanded by human beings in a more safer region. Maybe even we could have been, had a more, there's 64 moons of Jupiter, right? Like 64 bloody moons and they're all unique. Like the elements of the periodic table of elements. Each one has a unique set of characteristics, at least two of them, Io and Europa, are very, very likely containing life in some form. Um, but there's 64. We know nothing about most of them. There's 33 moons of, of Saturn. We don't know anything about most of them. You know, like, we should be looking. What about Uranus? Why is Uranus, like, going in a, in a totally other direction of rotation? We don't know about that. Why? Yeah. What's that say about the nature of the fabric of space-time? What about the, you know, what about the harmonics of the solar system? What? Why? So all of these things would tell us a lot more about our own anti-Darwinian forces that shape the flow of life on this particular part of the planetary system, a third rock from the sun that generated a, a, a species like humans that could contemplate all of this and act upon it if we wanted to, that could extend the sphere of life if we use nuclear power, because, you, you know, nuclear power, you can all of a sudden desalinate ocean water on mass, which couldn't, which would be vital if we're going to take areas that used to be green, like the Arizona or California deserts or Sahara or Gobi, um, and bring water, fresh water to green them once more like they used to be, you know, like humans can, can take things that would normally take millions of years if left to nature alone to do. And we could ex compress that into decades. If we think like in a moral way, we can make nature blossom and you can even enhance a process where green photosynthetic life could once again blossom as it might have done on Mars and other planets. Like we can extend the power of life. We could bend space time if under the force of creative thought. Europa, a world of ice with potential for life. That's a great, great article. Europa Clipper from NASA. Yeah, that's the, that's the right idea. And if you but, look at the, the right- Klaus yeah, said that, that we should own nothing and be happy. Yes, yes. How uninspired of a dismal death cult idea is that, eh? and eat bugs on like, it's, it's crazy when we have this wonderful, wonderful, like future of discoveries at our disposal. And honestly, when you read the writings of, uh, or the remarks of the head of the, the Chinese space space agency or the Russian space agencies, and you just listen to how their philosophy of thinking about their 
their joint China-Russia lunar colony, which is going to be in, in operation if we can avoid nuclear war in 20, around 2030. They're going to, they have a, a joint mission. They've opened it up. They've said, the U.S., come work with us. Europe, come work with us. Australia, Canada, come work with us. They're, they're, the offer is on the table to work together. Their philosophy is just that. They're looking at the cause of life. That's their intention, is to, is to recognize that you can only discover the cause of climate science, not by looking at CO2 or some mathematical model on the Earth, but to look at why is climate changing on every single celestial body in every moon of the solar system, right? Yeah. Well, that, that's because there's SUVs on those celestial bodies in our solar system, Matthew. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is. And there's coal-fired power plants. That's why there's they're changing climates. I don't think you know that, I guess, huh? Stupid, eh? I learned that from Klaus. He told me. Yeah, I guess I guess that must be it. There's SUVs on, on Saturn, yes. <laughs> Jupiter. Yeah, yeah Hummers, the, the old Hummers, not the new electric ones. See, they're not on that yet. My but God. We, yeah. yeah oh, the incompetence. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, this is the sort of thing, right? Like if you have, if you, if you do these sorts of things, if you have an idea that this is what humans can do over the coming generations, because you have to think transgenerationally about our unborn great grandchildren and like what sort of world will they be living in and, and acting upon when they're in their thirties um, with their kids, you know, we have to, that's what only humans can do. Lions and tigers and bears are fine for what they are, but they can't act that way and shape their identity according to those concepts. But that would mean that we would need to have not only a very advanced third, fourth generation nuclear power system that we've mastered properly, um, instead of being afraid of the invisible or afraid of radi radiation, which, by the way, we can reprocess toxic toxic uh, waste. It, the fact that it's radioactive waste means that it's still radioactive, means that you could still use it to um, power a grid. It just requires a little bit of money, a little bit of patience, but you can close the energy cycle using fast breeder reactors the way India and China are both doing and Russia has been doing. We don't have to bury any of that. And the whatever you can't use in the energy process can be used for medical isotopes. Okay. So frankly, it's all a big, every argument against nuclear power is a fraud. It is un, not a single death in Japan to recapitulate, not a single death from Fukushima was caused by radiation, not a single death. All was caused by tsunami. Um, the reactors that are third and fourth generation, or especially thorium reactors, which is the pen, you know, uh, uh, the newer tech. philosopher stone. Yeah, that this is what China is building is the fir world's first prototype, almost finished in the Gobi Desert right now, is using thorium. India is sitting on something like thirty percent of the world's thorium. This is like gold i mean better than gold but this is they're all third fourth generation reactors and thorium are meltdown proof they cannot wow. you could you could pop a nuclear bomb onto them and they won't have a nuclear meltdown That's they're amazing. that good now the other thing because there's a very specific type of chain reaction which is required um for these things to happen all that to say the the, the toxic waste argument is a false scarecrow. It is not an argument. You can reprocess spent nuclear fuel and reuse it again and again and again and again and again using, again, f uh, fast breeder reactors. But there's a few other varieties, too, that involve um, utilizing neutrons from a particle accelerator that can then seed. Anyway, there, there's, a, there's many ways to go about doing this. But then when you master this, then you have what China is committed to right now, which is fusion power, which involves either using... Um, organized geometries that emerge out of plasmas, you know, where you can concentrate the flow of the fluid dynamics inside of a plasma of superheated. That's the fourth, fourth state of matter. You could, you could use that in order to do things like an accelerator where you can twist and spin the plasmas using certain magnetic fields that cause um, a convergence of intensity of the electrons and the other atoms within that plasma, probably helium and deuterium, in order to fuse together, becoming heavier elements and, and releasing a very large amount or transforming a large amount of that, that mass into energy that could be applied then to do an immense amount of work. Um, there's, there's other ways of doing this. You could use laser fusion if you wanted to. There's a whole bunch of pathways. China is investing in most, most of those different pathways. Um, that would then allow you to have also plasma rockets. Um, pla plas pla uh, plasma propulsion. So you can have a fusion-based plasma that is installed and designs have been done. They were more advanced than this in the 70s than they are even today because we've been sabotaging this. 
but you could then use the interstellar medium because there's all sorts of um, elements floating around between the sun inside of the so-called vacuum between the sun and different planets. There is a lot of uh, plasma, different cosmic radiation, which can be transformed into uh, organized plasmas, turned into heat and used for propulsion to move objects from the Earth to Mars, let's say in less than four or five days, which currently take about 300 days with chemical propulsion. So you can actually oh, wow. create in that process of constant acceleration and deacceleration, um, a, a sort of gravitational field, which would be a consequence of the electromagnetic environment of acceleration within a plasma that would then allow for human beings, living organisms to not suffer the effects of living outside of a gravitational field, which would be very bad for your bones, osteoporosis, bad for your muscle tissue. You don't have to do that for 300 days, which would be really bad for human beings, which is what Elon Musk wants to do. You know, just send them off one trip mission to Mars and let them die. Um, this would be a very different idea, right? You create gravitational fields. So that would be, again, it would, it would also put human beings outside of the harm's way of, of very sometimes dangerous cosmic radiation, yeah, which hits you when you get outside of the Van Allen belts. So you don't want to yep. put people out there for that long. So a three-day trip to Mars would be great using uh, plasma propulsion. Last thing too, fusion torch. You could your your idea of mining and also recycling are completely in a new paradigm with these technologies because what does pla plas fusion plasma or using plasmas that are powered by fusion? allow you to all of a sudden mine things that are currently impossible to mine like the moon because if you want to mine the moon the way china and russia are committed yeah. you can't go in there with digging equipment using caterpillar cranes you can't do it because there's nothing there's no ores everything is diffused right the, mm -hmm. the of, of ore deposits we find for iron ore or aluminum or, or other things in in the earth are there because of life over millions of years, which we have a lot of iron in bacteria in bodies that die, that that settle, that create these deposits, uh, like the Sagas Ironworks had is underneath a certain region of high density iron that's caused by by millions of years of bacteria conglomerating, dying, and their bodies become iron, and you know you have things like that. We that's that's Earth. Moon doesn't have that. You need to literally be able to process. The, the diffused material of lunar regolith, the lunar sand, into a plasma and then every and then use certain magnetic fields, because every single element has its own magnetic signature, its own its own electron spin, yeah. which could then be filtered with a, a corresponding magnetic intensity that could then pull out all of the pure silicon that you want, the pure uh, uranium or rare earths or or iron that you wish to have, or water, which there's a lot on the moon. Um and the idea also then of of recycling. How do you what what is a, what is an, an iron ore? If you take any given square kilometer of soil or even ocean water, there is like more um, iron and basic elements that we use for industrial civilization contained in any random given square kilometer of soil or ocean water. But it's not useful because again, just like the moon, it's so diffused. So if you have a plasma torch, you could basically scoop out that soil, put it into a plasma, and then pull out all of those pure atoms that you so desire that you need for whatever pro process you're, you're engaged upon doing, you know, in the real world. Um, making pure elements that would be uncontaminated from any other elements, which doesn't exist in nature and only the human mind could do. So there, and then you could probably also start dealing with process of, of uh, actually using those those useless electric cars electric bikes and photovoltaic cells that have been sitting in dumpsters in africa and you could actually finally process them for the first time and, and make something useful out of their elements instead of more solar panels so you know there's there's this whole world of no limits to our growth if we just embrace our our birthright yeah. which is to use newer and newer forms of fire for the benefit of ourselves and newer forms of technologies of government for ourselves and our posterity. And that's what the oligarchy and their bug eating religious priesthood, or at least no, they, they're going to eat, eat meat, but they're, they're priesthood. That's uh, trying to oversee a new bug eating culture of people who, who are told that they have to chop off their penises or cut off their breasts in order to save nature um, while owning nothing and living in 15 minute cities. That's what they hate. 
is that reality that there's a higher birth rate and that Russia, China, Brazil, Iran, most 85% of the world population um, is moving in that other direction, which is Correct. more in harmony with human dignity. So yeah, the great game definitely needs to be changed. It's not the great game. It's a pathetic mess of a game and it's over. So yeah, we should probably come up with a new brand. It is the multipolar reality. We'll keep working on it. I think there's something else there. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come up with something good. I think my, my screen just blanked out. That was weird. I just had multipolar reality and my screen shut off. Huh. Anyway, sign. folks, <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for joining us, man. That is some awesome stuff that you shared with us. Folks, go check out his website, CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, TheRisingTideFoundation.net, and make sure you get his books. Awesome show, buddy. And um, I don't know, man. I, I think, do you think our gender studies professors are ready to take us to the next level in gender reassignment <laughs> survey? Because if we don't stop this, if we don't stop this runaway train, that's where we're going to be headed. We're going to, we're going to be leading the world in, in gender reaffirmation technologies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, GRT, gender reaffirmation technology. Hey, God help hey, us. Yeah. God help us. <laughs> Well, that, that won't last for long. It's not sustainable. It's not a sustainable mode of trying to organize culture. It won't work for long. Absolutely. Well, let me shut this off. My my uh, my computer keeps going on and off. Anyway, folks, thank you all for listening in. We are over and out. I'm probably being hacked by the CIA as we speak. Cheers. <laughs> Here you go.